depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ i'll stand no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of christ i'll stand
sing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me ever to adore thee, may I still thy goodness prove. While the hope of endless glory fills my heart with joy and love, here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Never let me wander from thee. Never leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above.
solid days And watch the fleeting changes Of life's uneven ways But if my Savior calls me To that sweet home on high I'll live with Him forever In glory by and by Oh yes, I'll live in glory Live in glory by and by I'll tell and sing love story Tell love story high high There with my dear Redeemer Then no more to to die Oh yes, I'll live in glory service along this pilgrim way and lead the lost to Jesus as fervently I pray as day by day I travel I'll keep him ever nigh and live with him forever in glory by and by oh yes I'll live in glory living by and by I'll tell and sing a story tell a story hey, oh, and I there with my dear Redeemer they no more to Faith, I look away to yonder on supernal, the land of endless day. I'll cling to him forever and look beyond the sky and spend the endless ages in glory by and by. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory, living by and by. I'll tell and sing the story, tell and stay on high. There with my dear Redeemer, then no more to to die. Oh, yes, I'll live in glory, glory by and
Good morning. Welcome to our Wednesday morning Bible study. I'm Clayton Wilfer. I'm the pastor here at Joy Church in Fountain Hills. Glad that you could be with us this morning. A couple of things before we have our time of prayer. One is uh, I had some uh, an odd microphone uh, sound issue last week. So I'm trying a new microphone. Let me know if that works for you, if there are any issues. And if you um, if the sound stops for whatever reason, you know, uh, put a comment on Facebook, uh, send me a text. Uh, I don't check emails during this time, but you can text me. And uh, the other thing is, for whatever reason, uh, we are not streaming to YouTube this morning. I don't know why. It's one of those things. Probably the devil at work, right? But... Um, be assured that this is recorded, and then I will post that recording to YouTube. So um, we'll we'll get it up there for those who really uh, rely on YouTube. But as a reminder, we have two other ways to access this. One is through Facebook, and the other is through our website. Just go to the Bible Study tab, and you'll see that there's a link that you can use for our website. Sounds great. Oh, good. Thanks, Judy B. And thanks, Rose. I'm glad it sounds great. Trying out new microphone and everything. Okay, sometimes this is like uh, playing the organ. You know, I've got um, hands and feet moving at the same time, trying to get the word out to you. Okay, let's have our time of prayer. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you have given us. We are grateful for the blessings you have bestowed upon us. We lift up those who are in need of healing this morning. And there are many, many on our hearts today. Healing from, recovering from surgeries, dealing with illnesses, dealing with the effects of getting older. Uh, Gracious God, Be with all of those who are in need of your care, as we all are, but there are some uh, need some special care. Hold them close, comfort them, sustain them, and heal them. As we come before your word this morning, provide clarity and insight into your word so that we may uh, know you more, so that we may love you, and that we may give you ever greater praise. For unto you is, you are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. So thank you, God. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So here we are, uh, just to get our brains going a little bit, just a little bit of review. Uh, We've had the breaking of the seven seals. So that started way back in chapter 6. I know it seems like a long time ago, but back in chapter 6, the breaking of the seals. And then we got to the seventh seal last week, and there were the seven trumpets. And... As we talked about this, and uh, I gave you an example of uh, Bolero, that the musical piece Bolero, and 
how it just keeps building and building, but it repeats the same main theme throughout. So what we're seeing here with the seven trumpet, seventh trumpet is that, uh, sorry, the fifth and sixth trumpet. I'll back up. With the trumpets, with the seven trumpets, too many sevens, with the seven trumpets, that there is a continual repetition but building and building of various themes where we see that God is sovereign through it all and that this is his judgment that is being given unto the world. Okay? So, we took a look at this also a little bit and we saw with the seven trumpets how they corresponded later to the seven bowls being poured out. So chronology for me doesn't work as well, trying to figure out what the day, the time, the month, the year, all of that is for each of the trumpets and then each of the bowls. I think they are um, an iteration building upon one another, giving us a greater picture of his judgment. And so we see that there's a lot of similarity then that there's, uh, on the seven trumpet, the first trumpet, there's the earth, and then the bowl being poured out is earth, and there's the sea, and then the rivers and spring, the sun, moon, and stars. So that's what we covered last week, the first four trumpets. Today, we are going to get into the fifth and sixth trumpet in chapter 9. I thought about going into chapter 10, but I didn't want to push it because there's so much imagery in chapter 9. So we're going to see a little bit different change here now, especially with the 5th and 6th trumpets. And, uh, you know, uh, what do they say? Hold on to your hats. It's, it's going to be stormy through this. Quite the imagery of God's judgment being poured out. So when you take a look at these, we covered that the first four trumpets harmed the wicked in their physical being. The last three also bring spiritual anguish. You could say that hell itself is being let loose. I thought that was a good way to put it. That's by William Hendrickson. That's what we covered in the previous weeks leading up to this. So it's the breaking of the seventh seal, With the seven trumpets, we've done the first four trumpets, and now uh, chapter 5 and 6. Yeah, so we are in chapter 9, and it's the fifth and sixth trumpets. Too many numbers for me this morning. i got to have a little more coffee. Chapter 9, the fifth and sixth trumpets. Are you with me? All right, let's do it. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth. And he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Some translations say the abyss. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit. And from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Okay. So the fifth angel blows his trumpet. This is the fifth trumpet. And it says, a star fallen from heaven to earth. 
But it says, and he was given a key. So the fallen star is not a what, it's a he. So here's the question for you to get your brains going, now that I've been jumbled with so many numbers this morning. Who is the he? It says the fallen star, right? And he was given a key, the key to the abyss. But who is this he? And there are some differences of opinion on this one, but I'd be curious what you think. Who is the he, this fallen star? Well, when we take a look at Scripture, it says this from Luke chapter 10. And he said to them, I saw Satan like a like fall, like lightning from heaven. Okay? Revelation chapter 12. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. So Rose says, Satan. And uh, indeed, this definitely, this could be Satan. I think there's a I think there's a stronger reference here, but it is not exactly certain. So this could be uh, certainly Rose says thrown out by Michael. Yep, could be thrown thrown out by Michael. But um, there's one other reference here, and this is actually from Isaiah chapter 14. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol to the far reaches of the pit. So there are some commentators who say, no, no, this is not Satan. Others who say it is Satan. Uh, uh, Those who say it is not Satan say that it would be some other ruler, some other power. But I do want you to notice in all of this that, uh, that the one who is thrown down does not have the power of the keys to open up the abyss. So the only one who has the power of the keys is Christ himself. So he has allowed this person, this demon, this ruler, Satan himself, uh, if, if that is your conclusion, and I, I, I would lean that way, uh, that it is God who has allowed this in his timing for his judgment. Okay? So it is a he, not a what, that is thrown down. And what is being opened up itself? Well, it says, he opened up the shaft of the bottomless pit. Other translations say the abyss. So when you think about the abyss or bottomless pit, what does that represent? What does that stand for? 
So a sip of coffee here. I'm still laughing at myself a little bit with all the numbers this morning, all the different chapters and all the different seals and all the different trumpets. And I want to do Abbott and Castell, who's on first. I, I, think, I think that would be a good one to do in a couple of these chapters. So the abyss, the abyss is opened up. Well, this would be hell itself, right? So hell itself is being opened up up here. And it's going to get ugly and ugly fast. The abyss, so I'm going to go back here. The abyss in the New Testament refers to the abode of the evil spirits, with the exception of Romans chapter 10, where Paul uses the concept for the abode of the dead. Okay, In Revelation, where the word occurs seven times, interesting, seven times it's being used. I mean... If I were going to write Revelation, there's no way I could be that accurate and use certain words just a certain number of times. So seven times, the word uniformly signifies the place where Satan and his followers remain. As a matter of fact, do you remember when Jesus cast out the demons from the man? They said they were legion, for they were many. Where did they want to go? Well, Jesus then asked him, what is your name? And he said, legion, for many demons had entered him. And they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss, back to hell from whence they came. So what is being opened up here? And it's pretty scary if you think about it. Uh, the gates of hell are being opened up with this trumpet, with this plague. And it gets really nasty because what comes from this plague? It says, Then from the smoke, so smoke rising up from hell, came locusts on earth. And they were given power like the power of scorpions on the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their forehead. Remember, these are the saints who have been sealed by God. Their name, his name is written on their forehead, protected. So we have locusts. And so here's the question. Where else do we find a plague or a swarm of locusts? A little bit of coffee here. Judy B. said hell earlier, so thank you. That was the correct answer. Where else do we find swarms of locusts? Okay. I'm just going to see if our YouTube is working by any chance. One moment, please. Nope, no YouTube this morning. Okay. So, where else do we find the plague, the swarm of locusts? Well, we find that in the Old Testament with one of the plagues on Egypt. And we covered this uh, before. There are parallels. There are parallels with the trials. So, we talked about 
in uh, there's hail and fire, there's blood, there's uh, the sky is darkened, and now locusts. This is also one of those plagues. And when you think about the plagues, when you uh, actually, sorry, here's the reference for it. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. And all that night, when it was morning, the east winds had brought the locusts. The locusts came up over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been before, nor ever will be again. They covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened and they ate all the plants of the land and the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. So that is the plague of locusts in the Old Testament. This plague of locusts is going to be worse. And Judy B., yes, you were right. One of the plagues uh, on Egypt with Moses. You can also cross-reference, by the way, Joel uh, chapter 1, verse 4, and then 6 through 7 here for uh, another reference to locusts. So going forward here, they were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. This is a pretty sober warning, right? So we've got to ask, so what's the purpose? Really? God is this judgment. They're going to be tormented, really, for five months but they won't be killed. They want to die, but they won't die. So what's the purpose of such a plague? So think about it. What was the purpose for, such a, for, for the plague on the Egyptians? Well, it was for them to repent, right? They were to repent. Here this gives them a foretaste of what is to come if they don't repent. So, Hendrickson, uh, Reformation Bible Study, put it this way, the wicked sometimes suffer even in this life as a preview of their final punishment. You could say that this is a preview of what hell is like if they do not repent. Hendrickson put it this way, this is a description of hell itself in which people seek to die but realize that death is eluding them. Think of the rich man with Lazarus. He is there and he is uh, basically dying of thirst, but he doesn't die. Their mental and spiritual suffering is without end. So this is a preview, if you will, of the eternal torment that is set before them. It's uh, not good. And, and Rose write, yet the Egyptians refused to repent, and we'll in, indeed we will see that at the end of this chapter, that people still refused to repent 
uh, unbelievable that they would. So we're going to get into this, get a little larger here for a moment. In appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces, their hair like women's, uh, like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wing was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tail. These are unlike any, any locust that you've ever seen, right? So I'm going to go full screen here for a moment. This is the picture, and I think it's one of the more accurate pictures, of uh, one of these locusts. And it is, it's not a locust. It is really a type of demon. It is a type of demon given the power to torture, but not to kill. I mean, if you saw something like that, I mean, isn't that, isn't that like a picture from a, a horror movie, right? One of those sci-fi sort of things, but this is what is going to happen when the fifth trumpet is being blown. And uh, wouldn't that just frighten you to death? I mean, wouldn't you want to repent? I, I don't get it, why people wouldn't repent. So it says its power, right, is uh, in its tail, um, the sting. So you, you think about scorpions and you think uh, about uh, snakes, and they were actually referred to in, in the same breath in the Old and New Testament. In both the Old and New Testament, scorpions and serpents are mentioned together. In Luke chapter 10, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over the power of the enemy, nothing shall hurt you. So this is a representation. The snake, we obviously know the snake, right? The snake, uh, the serpent, the deceiver, and... Uh, the ability to sting, to bite. Uh, this, these are all representations, really, that are about the enemy. And not just the physical enemy. We're talking spiritual enemy, and thus we are talking Satan, too. These are truly demons of Satan. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, it is called Apollyon. And then it says, the first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still yet to come. So this is the first out of three woes. And uh, the first woe is bad enough, and it just gets worse. But let's go to this word here in Greek, Abaddon. Uh, that is... Uh, used in the Old Testament in Hebrew, 
Sheol is naked before God, and Abaddon has no covering. And in Greek, the meaning is destroyer. So you can think of destroyer really for both if you want. Apollyon, and there's actually, there's a reference to perhaps one of the uh, Roman emperors here as destroyer. But who do we know as the destroyer? Well, again, that's Satan himself. If you take a look, uh, John and the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. First Peter, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, like the, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. And they have, uh, you know, teeth like a lion. It's just kind of freaky. Hard to sleep with that image in the mind. Okay, so uh, let's go on. Is that enough on, uh, on that trumpet? Okay, so moving forward here. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. No wonder I'm having trouble with numbers. There are so many numbers in Revelation. Okay. Sixth angel, trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river. So a couple things about this, these two verses. One, uh, when you take a look at it around the altar, it, uh, that would be the altar of incense. Remember where prayers are being lifted up. Now the four angels, commentators go back and forth on this. Some say the four angels could be the four angels referenced in Revelation chapter 7. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or any sea against them. And at first glance, it would seem to be a a, a good parallel here. But there's a difference here with these angels. In Revelation, at the four corners of the earth. So really, they are throughout the whole earth. These here are really at the the river Euphrates. Also, these angels seem to be bound to be held back by God. Now, some, some commentators put this forth and say these are uh, demonic angels then that are truly bound by God until this time because then they are set free. Some translations, instead of say, release the four angels, say set free the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. I would tend to say that these would be more of the uh, demonic uh, angels rather than the four angels who are holding back the the winds uh, from the earth in Revelation chapter 7. And the reason I, I would say that is because of the destruction that they are releasing and the army that really comes with them. Uh, much more 
demonic in nature. So, by the way, I'm going to go full screen here for a moment. The Euphrates, it's in the east of Israel. And uh, it was really kind of the dividing line uh, between, um, well, for the Roman Empire, that's as far as the Roman Empire went to the Euphrates. But also for Israel, uh, you would find the Babylon and many of the other invading armies came from the east, so east from the Euphrates. And what we're going to see here is that there's going to be a uh, vast army that is released, and it says from the Euphrates. Now, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole here. So one of the rabbit holes would say, all right, we are going to look for a vast army from the east. And we're going to see that the number is 200 million. This is the largest number whatsoever that you could ever find uh, in, in this. Sorry, got distracted here a little bit. Uh, gonna... So this would be the largest number ever in, uh, in Revelation. So is this 200 million from China? There's where people might want to go down this rabbit hole. I don't think it's worthwhile to go down that. I think it is more symbolic uh, in this way, and this I would be the idealist view. I think it is symbolic of the forces of evil that are being unleashed upon the world. I think the, the division of the river Euphrates is more symbolic than just literal in this case. Okay. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. I heard that number. So there's, if you do the math, 10,000 times 10,000 times 2 is 200 million. A vast, vast army, myriads of myriads. Uh, but I think the important point is this: is that it is God who is still sovereign over these, uh, over this event. It is the hour, the day, uh, the month, and the year. And by the way, that's the only time in the New Testament, I think, even uh, all of Scripture, where it talks about the hour, the day, the month, the year. So there's a precision here in God's plan and his judgment. So, do the math, by the way, by the time this third is done, then half the world population is being wiped out, is being killed under the judgment of God. So, uh, I actually answered that the hour and the day. It is God himself. He is sovereign over all of this. God is never not in control. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode them. They wore breastplates the color of fire and of sapphire and sulfur 
and the heads of the horses were like lions' heads, and the fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouth. Excuse me, out of their mouths. Okay, so here's another picture that we have. Somebody, de- the horses and the riders. I mean, pretty hard to put all of this together, but um, I think that's a decent, uh, a, a decent rendition. I think the hair is more like a woman's hair versus the the mane of. But uh, you take a look at this. It says, By these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths. And this is pretty interesting. It says, for the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like the serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. So, when you think of the power of a horse, you think mostly if they are going to fight, the fight comes from their feet, right? The power of their hooves to trample. But here, these horses, these horses, the power is in their mouth and their tails. So if we think of Satan, right? And this is why I think these angels would be more, uh, the release of this would be more demonic. If we think of Satan, How does Satan fight, so to speak? How does the tempter fight? Well, by the words he speaks. So part of this in the the words that he speaks is true deception. It is true deception. And I think so the mouth and also the tail with the serpent on it. I think this is great, great deception that comes over mankind, that wipes the world through uh, and destruction in that regard. Now, it also says, from their mouth come fire, smoke, and sulfur. Boy, um, take that with what you will. I, I have not been able to pierce the full meaning of the fire and smoke and sulfur, other than that these would be the same things that would come directly from hell itself. So, one of the things on here, it says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immoralities or thefts. So the woes have come upon them, and yet they did not repent. Think of the locusts. Think of these horses with riders with basically hell coming forth. And rather than repenting, it almost seems like they doubled down on their idolatry. They doubled down on the sin 
So truly hardened hearts against God himself. So what does that say about the nature that they did not repent? Their hearts were calloused. Their hearts were hardened. And so God gave them over to to judgment. It actually says this in Romans. Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress truth. What is the truth that God exists, that he is sovereign over everything, that he has sent us his only son, that we should repent and confess Christ as Lord and Savior and thus be saved? But people have not done that. And because of their unrighteousness and they suppress the truth, this is not that they just reject the truth, but that they suppress the truth. It says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So the wrath of God will be poured out upon those who reject God. And not only reject God, but are actively suppressing the truth. No one is neutral with God. You either confess him, confess Jesus Lord and Savior, or you reject him and you suppress the truth. And if you do that, God will give you what you seek, his wrath and his unrighteousness. This should be a a warning for all. Yeah, you know, I just think about it and I think, how could people not understand this? But uh, the hardness and callousness of the heart knows no bounds. So, this is chapter 9 of Revelation. The seventh seal has been opened. This is the fifth and sixth trumpet, the first and second woes. And yet there will be one more woe coming. Now chapter 9, uh, so 10 and 11 are a little bit of an interlude before the seventh trumpet is actually blown. But uh, we will pick that up next week. If you have any questions or comments on this, please feel free to text me, email me, and uh, we will continue on with our study. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the assurance that we have that, that those who are sealed by you will not come to the harm of these woes. And we ask for those who do not know you, that they do come to repentance, that they do come 
to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Bless us, continue to guide us in your word, all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks for joining. We will pick it up next week with chapter 10 and 11. Until then, have a blessed week. Bye-bye.